Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 58 of the Interviews Podcast. We are here for the post-match reaction of Inter-Real Sociedad, which finished 0-0 at the San Siro. As always, I'm one half of your co-hosting duo, Alessandro Rafa, joined here by Johnny Paterno, back back in action here um, to discuss what has been a pretty divisive game on uh, on Twitter, just seeing the discourse. It's been almost prophetic from Inzaghi when he mentioned, you know, the fir- everyone is saying that we're one of the best teams in Europe, in Europe but the first time we drop points, the narrative is going to change, and he predicted it perfectly. Um, a lot of people upset with what happened yesterday, and I think the bulk of this episode we can really talk about the importance of yesterday's game and also some areas of the team that definitely need strengthening. So Johnny, I'll kick it over to you at the conclusion of the game, you know, knowing that we had secured the second spot in the group and that we weren't able to finish first, seeing some of the teams that are available for us in the round of 16. Do you think that we Inzaghi or the club made a mistake by not, you know, putting our best 11 on the field and really going for this one? No, because we all, we all knew that the league was the objective. Like, they said it from the beginning of the season that getting the second star was the main goal. Um, I think because we had such an improbable run last year, people had higher expectations this year. But... You know, the year we won the treble, we finished second in the group to a Spanish team too then. So it's like, I don't know why we're so upset about not going for the win. Sure, would it have been nice to avoid some of those teams? Absolutely. But really, like, I look at Real Madrid and City realistically as the only two teams that that I think would be a bit of a, a difficult draw for sure. Bayern Munich isn't the Bayern Munich that we all know. Um, Thomas Tuchel is a bit of an underachiever, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. And he played what I like to call Allegri Ball Light, where I'm clamoring for Arsenal. So, like, even if we, let's say we were first, right? We'd have to face those teams anyway further on in the tournament. So, it's like, wouldn't you rather get rid of a City or a Real or whoever, if we were able to do it? in the round of 16, and then maybe get an easier run to the final than having to face one of those. I'm not too upset about it. I want that second star more than I want a Champions League title, to be honest. I mean, you can say that's stupid, and for financial reasons, it makes more sense to get the Champions League, but I'm not that upset about about the draw yesterday. Yeah, I share the sentiment, and I think there's an element of Interisti being a little spoiled with how how good we've been for not only this season, but to finish last year out. Um, And there's just an expectation that like, we got to finish first in the group and we got to finish first here. And at the end of the year, we're going to have played what 60 matches. Like do, is it realistic for us to be putting out Lautaro and Turam for 90 minutes, you know, game in and game out. And that can be levied as a, a criticism towards management. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's actually let's take a look here at the possible 
Oh, but another thing I just want to say, like, let's look at, okay, let's say we won the group, but we finished second in the league and we go trophyless. Are yeah. you really going to care that we won the group in the Champions League? Like, is that really going to matter in the grand scheme of things? Like, objective is always to get to at least the quarterfinals. I don't care first, second, whatever it may be. So it, I don't understand why people are like that upset about it. And they're discrediting Sociedad, who are a brilliant team. I, th- I think that he, he ha- if he had a team of players, like real dogs, <laughs> I would not want to face him in, in, in round of 16. Honestly, whoever gets Real Sociedad thinking that they're safe, they shouldn't feel too good about it. Yeah, they're they're a good team. and. Um... They, I think that we definitely showed that we're superior yesterday with our, with our rotation. I think that we were still superior, but they were also missing some players. But regardless, um, looking at the possible opponents for us in the round of 16, you know, you mentioned a couple teams that would, you know, give you the feeling, okay, like we have to bat, bat down the hatches, but look at the rest of these teams like Arsenal, when what sort of cha- deep Champions League experience do they have recently? Like, you know, we went to a final last year. Like, what what experience is Arsenal bringing to the table? Barcelona. Have you seen some of these performances from them recently? Not yeah. great. I, I would love Real, to get them. Yeah, Real Madrid, who we've played in the Champions League, really close matches um, against them recently. And this is the best side that they're going to have to face. So Real Madrid, I, you know, I, they're a tough team. They're definitely one of the tougher draws that we can get, but I don't, I'm not going into that feeling like we, we don't have a chance. Manchester City is not, not in a good run of form right now, and they have a bunch of injuries. And also we've, you know, if you took the final from last year and made it a two-leg affair, how would that have played out? Dortmund or PSG, either of those teams are really scaring you. PSG, like, take away looking at just the names of the clubs for a second and look at how these teams are playing like i'm not i'm not overly worried about dormant or psg atletico madrid is a really good team that's a really good team um that's a team that that could cause us trouble and simone is a fantastic manager Bayern munich like you said they have problems so you can make an argument that inter could be favored in any of those matchups if you take away like the stature of the club or or the name of the club and you look at the performances. So, like you said, you have to beat you have to beat these teams to get to the Champions League final and it's just going to come up a little earlier on our schedule, right? Could we have played a Copenhagen? Sure, but you know, this is what it is and it's not like this team doesn't have the experience in big games on the European stage. They they do have it more so than the teams that we've been drawn against um, outside of you know City and Madrid. So um, yeah, like there would have been people crying if we got let's say we won the group, we got Copenhagen, and then we got City in the second round. There would have been people crying about it. So it's like I just it's the Champions League. It's not like we're you know it's not really we're in the Coppa Italia and we're playing against Serie B teams, you know, and we missed out and now we have to play I don't know Juve in the first leg. You know, it's like. Every, all these teams are good teams you're going to be going up against. They got out of their group for a reason. Yes, Copenhagen may be the weakest of the bunch, but like, have you seen our luck in draws? We, we don't really always pull. Like, Even when we do pull what's considered a weak team, they redraw it so we get a tougher team. So, I mean, just, just stop. Stop worrying about it. We have a strong squad. Well, 
outside of some other stuff that we'll get into. Yeah, and if you believe in the team, like this is not, it's not devastating. And I think one of the other things that came up on Twitter, I, I, we're going to talk a lot about this today instead of going over a, all the player performances because I think um, this is just the most interesting aspect of the game. Those that rotation that happened throughout the group, right? Carlos Augusto, I think, started most of these group games. Um, Fratesi played a lot. Bisek played a lot. That rotation that people said, oh, we should have, you know, we should have been playing our starters here in the Champions League. The fixture list that surrounded these Champions League games was incredibly difficult. And if the objective is the second star, that you can see how it's playing out. That's where Inzaghi is putting his focus. Do you know how much of it is you in a knockout competition? Anything is possible. Do you know how much of a disaster it would be to let Juventus, who only gets only has to play one game a week, get the advantage over us because we could qualify if we pl- if we rest our guys, but we have to play our guys over and over and over and over again and and run them into the ground. It it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all for them to have done that. Um, so I I don't think we're going to see that kind of rotation in the Champions League moving forward now that it's the knockout stages. Um, but you know I think Inzaghi actually did a good job leveraging the team's minutes uh, with these games and still qualifying unbeaten. And it and you know Sociedad it's not like they beat us over two legs. Like they played really great in the first game. You know we we got a point there. The second game, I thought they were super ineffective, super ineffective. A lot of passing, a lot of possession, and not much of a threat at all. Inter but was the, but they also didn't have to do anything. Like they, they didn't have all, to do anything. All they yeah. did was draw, so that's why they didn't do anything. Like you could yeah. play keep away when all you like we needed to win. They didn't need to win, so I'm not. I'm. I think they came out with the right game plan to keep it at a draw, and I'm sure that if we would have scored. They would have changed the game plan just to get the draw. So, like, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't get what all the, the, the up in arms is about. You know, like if we, if we would have had an injury, let's say to one of our forwards in in this game, how how would people have felt then? Like, cool, we went yeah. for the win, we didn't get the win, and now we lost Lautaro for four to six weeks. You know, like. You have to you have to know I think Inzaghi knows what he has on his team. I think he knows the limitations of some people on his team. And he has to work with what he has and he has to rotate and give guys a break so that they can be there for the stretch run. It's gonna be a tough second half of the season. We're gonna be competing obviously with UF for the title, it looks like for the whole way. Um and if we wanna win that, we can't afford to to have injuries in games that are, are meaning. We already qualified. Like, look, we, we already qualified against Benfica and we threw out our whole B team, you know, and we were down 3-0 and we came back and and, and, and got the, yeah. the draw. So, and we were, Barella uh, post away from not even having to worry about this game. So, like, yes, it's a game of inches and stuff and, and, and other stuff could have happened, but I am not upset with anything that Inzaghi has done so far this season. Yeah. Um, one of the... Big topics of conversation that came from this game was also our attacking depth. It is another game where Alexis and Arnatovic have proven to be really, really ineffective. Really, really ineffective. 
are we capable of pursuing the objectives that we have this year, right? Making it, you know, deep in the knockout stages, going to, you know, taking the second star, potentially the Coppa Italia. Are we able to do so with the current attacking depth on the squad or is adding in January an absolute must? I think it is going to be crucial for us to add striker depth in January. Alexis... What a waste of money that guy! I know he came on a free, but even just paying his wages is a waste of money. Like there were people in 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 Twitter Spaces saying that this guy is good enough to be the third striker. We don't have to worry. Like, relax. He's a professional. He's just, it's like it doesn't matter how good he was. Like, I think people still think that we have Alexis Sanchez from Arsenal. Like I think that's what they're expecting him to do and him perform. The pace isn't there. The brain isn't there lately. Like, I mean, there's times where he's just like doing stuff and, and dribbling in the middle of the park for, for no reason. Like, I, I don't understand his thought process. He isn't good enough. Arnatovic, I was okay with for a fourth striker. I was more than happy that, with that. I didn't like the price, 10 million. Like, that's just a waste of money. Like, it, it's just mind boggling to me. We do such good business in so many aspects, and then these are the guys that we bring in. And for a club that just never has money to spend ten million on Marko Arnatovic in twenty twenty three, made no sense. And now we're seeing it. Like if we put Arnatovic with Lauti or Alexis with Turam, there's no bite to our attack. It's just a lot of aimless running, poor passing. You know what? Arnautovic has had some good passes here and there, but like he, I, I just expect, I expected better, you know, from from yeah. both of these guys, and and neither one of them. I'll be surprised if they contribute to more than six goals, combined goals and assists, I, I, like together between the two of them. And we only have one goal from Alexis, and we have an assist from Arnautovic. I don't see much else. If there's a way to get Taremi in January, I think you have to try to do that. Um, who knows? Maybe. Well, I don't know if Porto would. Even if we got. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter. Like as long as we got him for the league or something, we'd be able to rotate others in the chain. I don't. I think he would be like tied or cup tied um, if we signed him from Porto since they were in the Champions League as well. So he couldn't be registered with us. Um, I could be wrong too, but whatever. If you get him, maybe, and you can, you know, offload Sanchez to a Saudi club, a South American club, or something. Even for like, I would let him go for free, to be honest. I, I just don't care. You got him for free. Let him go for free. That money comes off the books. You're, you're able to move forward. Um, and then I'd be okay with, you know, Taremi being the third and then Arnautovic being the fourth. I'd be fine with that, to be honest. I think that would be able to, to be enough. But we are literally one injury away from, from really struggling for goals. Um, and that's, that's got to be concerning. Now, I'm sure management is aware of it. You know, I, I don't think that they're blind to this. If we see it as fans, I'm sure they see it, you know, within within the halls of Inter at HQ. So, yeah, um, I tweeted yesterday that um, that we desperately do need reinforcements and that Beppe is not going to tell us that we do. I think people also need to come to the realization that he doesn't discuss the plans in the in the press. Um <laughs> He's not going to say, you know, we're definitely investing in, in January. I know Gazetta, also, I looked up that cup tied UCL thing. They abolished it, actually. So, oh, sick. Taremi, 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'm management and if I'm Steven Jang, I already, I didn't invest a ton into the team, but I did keep the squad competitive for a reason. And if I suffered one injury and attack, I'm screwed. And if like, you have to know, you have to know that you're walking on thin ice. You've come so far. You've openly talked about the second star constantly in the press. You can't leave it up to the chance that Lautaro and Turam are going to stay fit all year. Which also puts you in the position of like, you can't just bring in a body like an Alexis or an Anatovic for depth purposes. You need to have a contributor. And there are not that many opportunities on the January market. When I say opportunities, I mean like contracts are expiring that you can you can grab like an Ericsson. Um, although they wouldn't, they wouldn't invest that kind of money, you know, Porto, depending on how stingy they're going to be, that could be a 10 million plus deal. Although I think 10 million is, is fair for a 31 year old that's expiring contracts. But anyway, um, they, they can't just add for the sake of adding. That's not what the point of, of what they should be doing is they should add a contributor because they're not getting contributions. I'm, I'm more so upset with myself because i think oftentimes i have inter blinders on like i am as optimistic as i can be with the squad and i was excited for anatovich because i think he's i i think he's he has quality i don't he hasn't been able to show it this year but i do still think there's quality there alexis after the 18 goals in france like i think he I thought he still didn't put enough value into how easy it might be to, to put goals away in France. Um, so yeah, we we're in a bad spot in terms of our attacking depth. Let me ask you, do you think either our Alexis or Arnautovic, like who would you say has a greater potential to come good and, and sort of turn it around and start making an impact or are both of their play styles just not compatible, you know, with Lauti and, and Turam? Yeah, I would say that their play styles aren't compatible, but if I had to pick one to to come good, and I think because he's a stronger body, he's able to 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 play with his back against the goal. I think he's a better passer, to be quite honest. But I, I would say Arnautovic has a better chance of coming good. Now, staying healthy, I think, will be key, and and maybe some opportunities to start from the first minute, like against a, a Salernitana or a Leche or whoever, you know, like I think those would be opportunities where, where you can allow him to start those. I see nothing from Alexis that makes me think that like he could be of any use or any help whatsoever. Now, that doesn't mean I think Arnatovic is going to come in and score eight, 10 goals or something, you know, but I think he can maybe come, you know, with two, maybe three big goals somewhere along the way. Um, and that's whether he scores in himself or is able to provide an assist, but I've seen more instances of Arnautovic being at least somewhat of a competent player who can who can provide something. You know, like I seen I seen nothing from Sanchez. He gets out muscled easily when he when he goes up for a header. I'm like, why, why? Like you're not you're not you you get like six inches off the ground and you're five foot four. Yeah. Like what are you doing? And he, and it's like such a half hearted challenge to to go up in the air against these guys that it's just like. Are you doing this for show? I don't know. He 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 bothers me. He's bothered me for a while. Like 
he bothered me with the way he left and how him dragging his feet to end his contract allowed us to miss on Dybala. And then now coming back with this way, like I just, I never wanted him back. I, I don't like Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, I, I agree about Arnautovic, especially because the style of play that this team has, like Somer can boot the ball out of pressure to a forward that needs to be able to corral the ball and, and act like a target man, which both Lauti and Turam have the ability to do. And then also in tight spaces when we're pinned back um, and we play the ball to our wing backs, there is that there is still that element that Conte brought into the team of go to the wing backs and they um, they get it to the forwards. And Arnautovic at least has the ability to, you know, possess the ball, hold it up a little bit and, and keep play moving. So you're right. He is a fourth striker option and a good fourth striker option. My hope is that he does come good. I think he desperately needs a goal. Just just like not uh, not like the Champions League rotation goal. I think he needs a, a league goal. Um, he needs to do something important to to sort of help get the monkey off his back a little bit. There is definitely a mental factor to playing this game, so that would make all the difference. But yeah, it's wild. We've been flying so high, and now this game has exposed has given the opportunity for people who who are typically pessimistic about Inter to expose and to go after a lot of things and. I can't fault them for going after the attacking reinforcement depth. I do think it's a little over the top to start saying what a failure it is to not qualify first in this group. Um, you, you know, Napoli fan. I see it on Twitter. Napoli fans, Juve fans, Milan fans, they've all banded together saying, oh, this is the best team in Europe. And like they're dunking on Inter and we're joining dunking. in on it. It's like so it's it's so stupid. Like what are like why is it why is it that we're adding fuel to the fire? Um it's one of the things that you see it constantly with with Interisti like there's been Inzaghi said it like you you talk about us being the best team in Europe and the second that we split we slip up it's everyone is at our throats and our fan base is is part of the problem. But Regardless, um, uh, further clarification on potential opponents today. Um, you have an Atletico Madrid and Lazio game that could determine um, that. Dortmund, PSG, Newcastle, Milan, and um, I think that's it. Those are the only games that really matter for us. Uh, should we talk about some players from yesterday? Maybe not all of them, but some standouts. Uh, sure. Mar- yeah, let's see. Let's see what Marcus- you got. Marcus Turam, best performer on the pitch for you? Yeah, without a, without a doubt. I mean, he's just... I can't say enough. I mean, the, the guy can do everything. He really is. I thought his hold-up play was really good. I thought his ability to dribble into the attacking third and take on his man. I mean, I love that. We've been dying for someone who's able to do that, and I just think that he's... He really was the perfect signing in the summer, along with Jan Sommer. Um, try saying that fast three times. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about him, and he was easily the best player on the pitch, without a doubt, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's goes to show his quality with how good he was able to look playing next to, you know, essentially just a non-factor in Alexis. He was still able to impose his game, and 
again, it gives you the confidence of like if if Inzaghi didn't pull Turam at the 65th for Lautaro, if they had some time on the pitch together, you know, maybe we would have been able to put it away. Another performance that I think was one of his most complete of the season was Davide Fratesi. He, in the first half, I thought his defensive work was really, really good. Really, really good. He doesn't have, um, he still lacks sort of the link-up play that a player like Barella or, or Mkhitaryan has been Mkhitaryan at least trying to provide to us um, but I thought there were some signs that maybe this is a player who's who's growing under Inzaghi and uh, could find his way to being more of a factor in the midfield yeah I don't, uh, I don't know maybe maybe I need to go back and watch the game again I, I wasn't really that thrilled with with the rest of his game his yeah the defensive side was was very strong but I don't know, man. There's some things about his game that just frustrate me to no end. And I just don't see a lot of things that I would want to see from a midfielder in his game. And, and I, listen, I, it's still early days. I hope he proves me wrong. But I just I, I don't really get too excited about Fratesi. What the game did not allow for is typically what makes him so good, which is those late runs into the box. And we didn't really, you know, the game didn't really call for his attributes um, to be expressed in a way that he typically does. So, you know, that's, he didn't jump off the page, but in the first half, I really felt like he was, um, you know, defensively, he had been, he had been better than he had been all year. Uh, What about Juan Cuadrado, a player that's getting a lot of heat for his performance yesterday. I thought every time he touches the ball, he does sort of this hesitation where he allows the defender to really close in on him. And I think when he was younger, it was working for him because the second that they bit, he would zoom by them. Now it seems like he's losing the ball a little bit or hesitating a little bit too long, or every time he's on the ball and he's in a situation where he's getting closed down, I'm expecting him to lose it at this point. Um, For me, that performance confirmed that he's not, He's not a 90-minute player for us at all and should not be considered that. He should be considered a final 15 to 10 minutes of a game where you need to get a little spark. He was dangerous. He had a great ball across for Lautaro, but I just feel very uneasy when he's on the ball thinking that he can still do the things that he used to do, but he doesn't have he doesn't have the, the burst, I guess. Yeah, he um, there's a lot of things missing with him too, and when we signed him in the summer, it didn't excite me. I didn't expect much. I mean, yeah, yesterday was a bit of a disappointment for especially being his first opportunity to, to start from the first minute. But again, I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, this guy's going to be a game changer or a world beater. Like, yeah, you know what? He's a better crosser of the ball than, than Dumfries is. And he had a nice couple assists early on in the season. But again, I, I, I'm not too... Uh, too concerned with it, and especially since his deal is going to be done after this year, and he probably, hopefully, won't be extended. So, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna get used to him being in an Inter jersey. It doesn't look right. Yeah, especially with him wearing the number seven. Like we've just got a such a long run recently of like poopy number sevens, man. Yeah. Um, all right, let's also talk about uh, Lautaro Martinez. Do you think? He didn't have a ton of chances, but he did have some to to put away. 
in my opinion, that last volley that he, you know, he lashed that goal. This the one is that a went player, across the front face. Yeah, the one that like just went over the goalkeeper's hand and like just went over the crossbar, um, right towards the end of the game. In hindsight, you look at that and you say, drill that low into an on-rushing Arnatovic and maybe he pokes that in. Um, but it's a player that's really on form and, you know, he went for it. Did you have any problems with how Lautaro chose to go at that that last sort of last gasp opportunity? No, I, I honestly didn't. I mean, I can understand why uh, Arnatovic was, was kind of like upset. You know, he, he you have a chance. I think the guy was too close behind him, like the defender that was pressing him towards that that run on goal, that even if the ball was played to him, unless he shot it first time in front of him, he wasn't going to, like, he couldn't flick it behind him and try to, like, you know, beat the goalie from that angle. When you're in the form that Lautaro's in, I want you taking those. It, I would have been more upset if he passed it and it just got, you know, cleared out or something because it's like, I, you're the goal scorer. I expect you to be the guy to want to take that opportunity. Um, now, was it a tough angle? Sure. But, you know, we, we, we've we seen magic happen before in the Champions League, and it, it, it could have been one of those nights, too, where he could have scored a, a ball that just goes off, you know, the, the post and in, like a venomous shot. So I'm not too upset with that. I mean, yeah, we you could play that out a hundred different ways if you really wanted to and, and nitpick it, and I'm not going to get too worked up over that. All right, last one. Let's talk about Carlos Augusto. 77 minutes as a left center back and then finish the game at left wing back. Um, what did you think of his performance? I'll let, I'll let you dive into this one. Man, I, I, I was really happy with it. I think defensively, he is so strong. Um, he's very good at reading the ball, reading the game. He doesn't, you know, you would think coming from Monza, not having really played in, in, in big matches like this and, and having opportunities in Europe, that he would be a little hesitant and, and shy away from the, the challenges. Um, but no, he just jumps right in it. And he's got such a confidence in himself and, and his abilities and his, you know, just the way he reads the game. I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled with him. And I love the flexibility we have where he can step in and be. I wanted him to kind of be like a, an option at left center back. Um, just because I thought DiMarco would be, you know, unreal at left wing back, and he wouldn't get opportunities. Um, but we see like DiMarco's had ups and downs, and 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 Augusto's been able to step in and and, and kind of handle that role as well. But he has not shied away from from being on that left center back role. He's sound defensively. He's pretty good in the air. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 thrilled with it. And he, uh, for a signing, I was not excited about when he first was brought in. You know, I wanted to keep Gozins. Um, He's definitely been an upgrade on Gosens, and you know, and I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy with the results so far. Yeah, I thought he handled Kubo really well. Um, oh yeah, like like you said, defensively, like he doesn't he doesn't jump, and when he does, like he times his tackles perfectly. He's he's a a destroyer in that sense. The one thing that I think he needs to work on is when he's playing out of trouble, he has a tendency to drift, like want to dribble inside of, of the park and he's closed down like sort of instantly. And there's been chances where there's been giveaways or almost giveaways. And I think he can improve in that respect, but his, he's been a good signing. Um, his versatility is definitely, definitely a plus for us. So, um, good game from him. And then 
let's also talk just quickly about uh, Kubo's dive in the area. <laughs> that Good was effort. Good. Yeah, nice job, yeah. buddy. I mean, yeah. I I kind of thought it instantly that that was like such a blatant dive. Uh, you know, when they, they initially called it a penalty and I saw the replay, I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. There's no way that's a pen. And when they finally went to the VAR, you know, they got it right. They realized that he threw himself down so easily, you know. And then I saw some Milanista kind of making jokes like, oh, but Turam gets away with the same thing. I'm like, bro, like it was literally zero contact. It's 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 OK to be biased like it is like, you know, you're, you could say it. But like when you see something that obvious and you're looking at the evidence right in front of you, how can how can you say that realistically? Like, how can you say that when you see the evidence clear as day? Like, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm glad action, they got it right. But does an action like that sort of put the the case for getting rid of a var to bed like that would have been if there was no var he would have called a clear dive a penalty and it could have you know it changes the game um does that sort of put that that argument that we don't need var to rest like i mean to me it does i think we do need i think i think var needs to be what's the word not adjusted, but I think there needs to be some changes made to VAR and, and, and times that it's used. You know, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the the heel of the foot getting somebody offside or keeping somebody onside. Like, really, maybe not the heel. Like, anything upper body. Like, when you see, like, I, there's the one where Lautaro, the shoulder was offside. Yeah. And I'm like, or, like, what the a, hand what, comes through. Yeah, like, like the hands the hand. forward because yeah. like, you're running. Like, you know. Yeah. What advantage does that give someone having their hand forward? Like, what is he going to do? Pat, bat it down? Like, I don't yeah. understand it. I think there's some things that need to be changed and adjusted. You know, like, I think it was the game against between Juve and Fiorentina where, where Fiorentina was called offside by by, like, a heel or something. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just so stupid. And so you're really nitpicking at the And how, like, did the camera get that angle? Because I'm looking at it computerized. You're not looking at it, like, real time. So I, I don't understand it. But you know what? Um, in that instance, obviously, we see the good from VAR. But then we've also seen throughout this year some of the bad from VAR with, you know, some of the things. So I don't know if there should be, like, maybe, like, um, a third-party non-objective side, whether it be like an outsourced company that comes in and handles the video room or something like that, um, where it's not, you know, the referee. I don't know. I, I, there's so many ideas that you can bring up, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the VAR is supposed to give you fairness, but it doesn't, you know, mean that the people doing their jobs aren't, you know, aren't suffering from some sort of incompetency. But regardless, <laughs> that's a whole other um discussion and that'll be episode 59 no i'm kidding <laughs> that'll be 59 um all right we have lazio coming up on sunday in a way game to lazio obviously the rotation here once tudam came off the pitch you knew like once he 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 basically showed his hand that he wasn't giving either lauti or tudam 90 minutes yesterday um you knew that he obviously sees the Lazio game as, as very important. Um, and he's obviously prioritizing the league. So I really think they need to win on Sunday. Like you need to win um, or else these voices that are coming out of the woodworks for a nil, nil tie that 
puts you second in the group, but level on points has already started such a an uproar of discourse. It's going to get even worse. Um, and we also saw, you know, early in the season last year, losing three one to Lazio in uh, at the Olimpico. You know, that was a sign of of things to come. So this is a, a tricky fixture that um, I think for Simone he needs it to sort of get over the hump a little bit against uh, against Lazio. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. And, you know, um, Juve play Friday against Genoa, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, hopefully Genoa do us a huge favor and at least, you know, pull out a draw. Um, that way it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of us. It's not that I'm, you know, but, like, I think the guys will be able to go into that and, and not feel things uh, a little bit uh, more difficult in that in that way. So we'll... Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens Friday for sure, and then hopefully we'll be able to take it to Lazio, who have obviously been having such a down year themselves, um, been disappointing in a lot of ways. So hopefully that'll uh, play into our hand. Uh, since 2021, this fixture: Inter three, Lazio one; Lazio three, Inter one; Inter two, Lazio one; Lazio three, Inter one; <laughs> Inter three, Lazio one. So we've been alternating wins and losses uh, against this team, and. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's an important statement for us. This has been a really tough stretch of games. And then after Lazio, we have Bologna and the Coppa Italia. You know, we just have it. We have a lot going on. Um, a lot of these games being very important and feels like there's no breathers. Um, except Udinese was, was a bit of a breather, which we blew them away. But okay, I think we're good to go. Anything, uh, anything else before we jump off? No, nothing else for me. All right, guys. Thanks for jumping on. In the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi. ragazzi, 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 ragazzi.